Welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Trillionaire. It is 10.03 a.m. It's so strange. This is a good feeling to document, I guess. But I woke up feeling, um, I don't know, restless, I suppose, is a term I, I usually use, I guess, for this feeling. Like, I didn't want to get up out of bed. But I didn't want to not get up. There's a lot I want to do. But there's a lot I feel like doesn't really matter. I don't know. So, went outside. Started doing some... Or first, I read a few articles. Some interesting articles. Um, that was cool. And I did a little 15 minute yoga session type of thing. It's been months since I really did some yoga and calisthenics and stuff, so. Getting back to doing that today. Or trying to. I did a little session today for 15 minutes or so. But I didn't really get that burst of energy that I usually get after I work out, so. Just doing. I don't know. I do get these moments. When I'm doing like. I don't know, man. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying but like I guess this is why I tend to break myself out of routines because when I find myself doing too much or too little for too long a time when I find myself kind of being too consistent not even consistent because I feel like I haven't been consistent enough It's like something in me telling me to change things up. (laughs) Right now I'm kind of just looking into the sky as I'm laying on my yoga mat. I don't know. I'll get to work as usual, but... feel like it's important to document this sort of thing too because it does happen fairly regularly sometimes every every few weeks for just a moment sometimes every few months it might be a day or two or even a week where I feel like this but I'm not sure if I've really documented this before maybe I have I don't know I guess to continue the whole documenting thing, it's just a strange feeling. Not like I feel particularly sad or or depressed or anything like that, or anxious or mad or 
or happy or serenity or none of that. <laughs> it's not even apathetic either. It's not even the same type of restless that I'm usually used to. Like I feel... When I say restless for me, it's like... I don't know, it's not really fatigued either. Like literally restless, like <laughs> I didn't get enough sleep. But usually when I say restless, it's like I have a lot of pent up energy. I'm trying to figure out where to put it, you know. So I guess it's not that. But restless came to mind anyways because it's like potential energy. Like it's like a I could reach away, like I could reach my hand out and grasp it, but I can't quite reach it. Can't actually reach it. It's like just far enough away. I can see it. I know it's technically within grasp, but it doesn't feel like it's actually within grasp. I'm not sure if that's making any kind of sense. I don't really understand why feels like that got a decent amount of sleep went to sleep around one or one or two o'clock last night woke up around eight a nice little weekend yeah it not as much work as i wanted to do maybe that's it i don't know i feel like i didn't get as much done wasn't as productive or as qualitative i don't know what, what word to use for that as I want it to be, but, you know, spend some time with my family, with my spouse. That was cool. I have a lot to be grateful for as well. It's amazing that I'm in this backyard. I have some green grass to lay upon. I have a yoga mat. I can do yoga. <laughs> These trees are so beautiful. Looking at the birds. Very nice. Blue sky and clouds. Very, very cool. The sun is quite bright. It's, 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 it's warm, a little hot, but not too hot. I am shading my eyes, so the, so the light, the sun is not in my eyes. But, um, I have a lot to be grateful for. Definitely feel grateful. So I'm not really sure if it's a gratitude thing either. I've had plenty of ideas. I was thinking about a number of things from, um, you know, the usual nerdy science stuff, <laughs> the history and all this other stuff. I don't know if I want to go through my chakras. My root feels okay. Sacral feels normal. Solar plexus feels somewhat normal. It's probably a little bit weird with that, but 
that's more like a reflection of my mind state rather than the source of it, I think. I don't know. Heart chakra feels okay. For the most part. Throat chakra. That's good. Third eye is good. Crown is good. Maybe it's a reflective state. I don't feel particularly more reflective than usual though. I don't know, it's just a strange state. I wonder if other people get this sort of feeling. Probably do. It's almost always a certainty that other people have the same feelings and the same thoughts. Just a matter of whether or not people talk about it. <laughs> they just dismiss it. Maybe I'm too indulgent with these things. They just shut up and get to work. <laughs> Hmm. I don't know. I guess I'll end it here. I mean, I can also continue talking about some goals, what I want to do today and going forward. Definitely want to kind of restart my goals. I stopped writing down all the uh, things I've been doing on my calendar, kind of tracking my habits and stuff like that. So I want to get back doing that. But I also want to figure out like an actual habit loop, you know, cue, craving, reward system. So I need to figure that out. Feel pretty good with my work. Not enough of it. I feel like I could be doing so much more. <laughs> this really is a weird feeling. <laughs> it's basically like the more I think about it, the more I feel it. <laughs> I like work through it, cycle through it. It's not like it's going away per se. Not sure if it's getting more or less there. Hmm. Kind of reminds me of this thought I've been having earlier about on the topic of free will I had this idea not really a theory because I, I don't really know the the maths to back it up but I had this idea of like maybe we can test 
if we do have free will. I really, I'm thinking it's like, we, we might have to redefine free will. Because if everything comes from uh, something, it's always a cause to an effect. There's always a reason why we do things. And maybe by, you know, simply, maybe not simply, but <laughs> by finding enough of those reasons or those causes or writing enough of those down, we can kind of predict what we're going to do or how we're going to react in certain situations more reliably. Of course, that's a dangerous thing because <laughs> if certain authorities get a hold of such a power, but it's also a very empowering thing, you know, if we can each have that for ourselves. Imagine a website or app or something like that. You could write down or even auto-populate all the factors in your life, mm -hmm. like your background, your genetics, your um, family and environment, your interests, whatever else you need, blood type, um, neurochemistry, whatever else you can, whatever you can get access to, right? You can write that stuff down. And it's not like it's going to tell you exactly what you're going to do next. It's more like it can give some insight into how you're more likely to react in certain situations in certain other environments. So if you, you know, write down all that stuff about your background and all this other stuff. And like I say, if you make this decision, you know, or if you try to go down this path, this is what might happen. This is what's most likely to happen. I think that would be very, very interesting. I know that sounds kind of strange and even disempowering. Because the illusion of free will kind of gives people this this desire to to go through life, this this motivation. But I would argue that. That same motivation is kind of, you know, mythical in and of itself. Like, we know that motivation is a myth. And in fact, what happens nine times out of ten is that when you face some really bad adversity or something like that, you feel like you... Especially if it's something you feel like you can't overcome. Right? You often kind of fall into depression or anxiety or lethargy or um, apathy. You know, because you feel like there's nothing you can do. You have to feel regret for things that you feel that you should have done. But if you realized how much your environment, you know, impacts your decisions and what you do, 
I think you can get a, a, a better understanding of how to maneuver through life and how to appreciate life. You can kind of, I don't know, I guess understand the importance of being around people that's really supportive, that good energy, good vibes type of thing. Because my idea is like, free will is not about the choices you make. Because we know, or at least we're getting better at knowing, or we seem to be going in the direction of knowing that our choices are made before we even think we made the choice, right? Like the conscious mind, the unconscious mind kind of decides what to do through some thing that we don't really understand yet. And the conscious mind, which is basically our consciousness, like our, our awareness, comes up with the <laughs> kind of retroactive reasons of why we made that choice. So there seems to be some other system in the back in the background kind of deciding or determining, you know, why we do what we do. But if we understand my or I'm kind of all over the place but my my idea is that free will is more about the awareness right what we're aware of what we pay attention to what we're curious about what we fear what we what we feel i think consciousness is free will free will is consciousness if that makes sense Should have talked about this before in another, because <laughs> I've had this idea for a couple of weeks now, but. I didn't want to talk about it because it, it wasn't really, you know, completely solid in my mind yet. And that's not the source of this feeling either, because I know. I've been super excited about the idea for a very long time. And um, this feeling is just. I don't know, I guess it makes it easier to say this idea because I don't really care about how much sense it's making. I don't know. But yeah. I think free will is consciousness. I think consciousness is awareness. I think awareness is self Referential. It's a recursion, recursive formula. I need to look <laughs> look that up a little bit more to get more understanding of what, what I'm actually saying with that. But to my understanding, recursion is like when a formula references itself to kind of iterate on itself. Maybe I shouldn't use that word because I don't, I don't fully understand recursion. But um, just the idea of self-reference, I think, is super important. And this idea and this 
concept of consciousness and free will. And this is a really important idea. Not my idea specifically, but just figuring this stuff out, you know, because if we can figure this stuff out, you know, that can really, really seriously help, I think, how we move through the world and how we design our world. I think this is one of the most important problems to solve. I know it sounds like some part of me feels like I, it's just meaningless to talk about this stuff like for for one for me to talk about it because I, i'm not really a expert in this field i'm not you know some scientist or a mathematician or anything like that philosopher you know i'm just a just a dude just a little nerd <laughs> i don't have any specific skills in this in this area but it just feels so important you know but like if i can if i can get a working idea of of of, of this concept I can design some systems I can begin to you know put that into something that can seriously change how we move through the world how I move through the world and be more efficient more effective more interesting more enjoyable more qualitative have a more have a better quality of life and all that stuff you know because oftentimes I feel like I'm just Moving through the world, trying to understand what the hell I'm doing. Making dumb mistakes. You know, not really understanding what is involved in this, the quote-unquote decisions I think I'm making. And it just feels so, I don't want to say pointless, but <laughs> it feels so silly. Like I'm purposely closing my eyes and walking across a busy street. Wow. There's a lot of bugs in this grass. A lot of insects. I know that's that's completely out of out of left field, but I'm just <laughs> I've been sitting here for the last like hour and I never noticed like how many bugs are in this grass. And it's obvious, of course, bugs are in the grass, but these are some pretty large insects. Like, yeah, there's ants, but there's also like this little centipede here. See some beetles running around. And we don't have tall grass. Like, we just cut it about like a week ago. And we play, <laughs> siblings play back here pretty often, so it's pretty kind of trampled. I don't know, it's very interesting. But this is this is also what I mean, you know, right? Like, this awareness. You could be completely unaware of something. But that doesn't change the fact that there is that it's there, right? It may have impacted you in some way. Like if some one of these crawled on me while I was laying here, you know, and I moved around. But I wouldn't have, you know, thought like that was what the cause. Maybe I would have thought I just wanted to move around, unless I unless I felt some some something that felt like legs on me. <laughs> then I would have been like, oh, it's an insect. 
looking for the source or something like that, you know. But I feel like most of the time we kind of go through life feeling like we're in charge and that it's 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 all our fault that things are happening, whether for the good or the bad. I feel like we often go through life thinking that we're the one, you know, making these decisions. When in fact, there's so many factors that play into our decisions, you know. Kind of responding to any uh, these different situations. Because we are just another animal. I feel like the more we're able to observe our environment, the more we're able to observe our observations of the environment. Because that's what kind of sentience is. It's not just the ability to observe the environment, because anything can do that. Most most animals can do that. But sentience is, is this ability to observe your observations, to make notes on your own observations, which is so weird. To write that down, to write these concepts down, like language and, and words, that's the same thing, but, you know, mathematics, these ideas, these are just, these are mental models, these are observations of, of our observations. And then we build entire, we can build entire fictional stories, you know, myths and legends and ideas on those observations so you begin to see like this what I mean by self-referential self-referential <laughs> it's crazy I'm, the more I look at this grass the more I see <laughs> the more insects I see the more stuff that I see going on and it, it, oh my gosh it's like that's exactly what I feel like life is like the more we observe a certain thing the more we kind of live in the moment or I just don't know how to explain this like the more we, we, we look at something and it's not just a you know, pure sight thing. The more we sense, perceive, and think about a certain thing, it's like the more self-referential kind of systems or formulas is going on in a specific area. And I think that that determines, you know, our life. That determines. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> where we go how we live our life that's why I think it's so important because if we realize this then by being more aware of where we want to go you know the part of the horizon that actually looks appealing rather than the part of the horizon that looks scary or that looks terrifying or that looks it's the same thing but you know that looks profitable, that looks secure. I think that's what free will is. It's not necessarily making the choices of where to go in life, but what to do. 
It's what we observe. It's deciding what we want to look at, what we want to observe, and what we want to do with that observation. How we observe that observation. And the ideas that we make off of those <laughs> observations of observations. And how, how, how deep we go down that rabbit hole, you know. How many observations of observations of observations of observations that we have in our minds. Definitely is some type of fractal thing, some type of fractal maths. Maybe I'm not making a lick of sense. <laughs> I could very well be true. But I don't know, I just find it so interesting. It's so important. But it's about time for me to eat and get to work. Try to get smarter. Get more income coming in so I can uh, have the privilege to uh, sit around and make more of these observations. <laughs> As always, let me know what you think. Am I making any sense? Is this just this episode was just a waste of time? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe it was the smartest episode ever or the dumbest, I don't know. There's just so much to learn, you know. I know I said I was gonna end it, but this idea is just keep just keep pressing on my mind. <laughs> Cause it's like in some some ways I can understand where people would see this as like a unscientific idea. It's like it's, it's an unfalsifiable. Because if to kind of formulate it better, I'm thinking that consciousness or free will. It's a matter of how much we know about the universe, right? How many factors play into our decisions? For instance, in psychology, we know that you know your childhood plays a large factor in the type of and how how you kind of grow up, you know, and the behaviors and the personalities—not exactly personalities, but and a lot of the uh, behaviors that you exhibit when you're older. Childhood is so important because of that. And of course, genetics plays a huge factor. So how you, is both, you know, it's not an either or type of conversation, it's both. It's both genetics and, or rather the term is, um, I don't forget the term. Well, but yeah, how you're raised, uh, nurture and nature, goodness. <laughs> Both of those play a huge factor in, you know, how we are. Maybe they play the only factors. 
But the problem is that we don't really know all of nature and nurture, right? We like to think that we know most of nature and nurture. We know most of the genetic factors and and um, how you're raised, but we don't really know. Like, for instance, I <laughs> have this idea. It's like a lot of people believe in, um, what do you call it? Star constellations, you know, what, what do you call that? Astronomy? That's not astronomy. <laughs> Astrology, right? I believe that plays a huge part into kind of who we are and what we do. But, of course, that seems unscientific. But there seems way too broad and there's, you know, all this, it just doesn't seem like a, doesn't seem to make sense. But one can argue maybe, maybe it does make sense, but we just don't understand how it makes sense. We don't understand how it plays into it. And we don't, we don't even understand how to measure it, how to measure, you know, how the stars might align. Because it might play a factor because the fact that we see starlight, right, means that it's interacting with us. Like when we look into the sky, into the night sky, and we see something that's, you know, 13 billion years old. <laughs> we see light that's that's hitting us from 9 billion years away or light years away or whatever, right? That's interacting with us. You have to wonder, does it interact with us more than what we let on? Uh, yesterday or was it two days ago I was reading about um, I think it's called high frequency bursts or something like that or since or the early 2000s scientists have been able to pick up these high frequency bursts that seem to come from um, other galaxies and then recently they discovered some that came from our galaxy and they kind of posited that they might come from uh, I think Magnet, mag, magnetars, or something like that. Magnetic, very high-powered magne magnetic stars, essentially, that eventually become neutron stars, which are the most powerful, energetic, you know, kind of um, stellar bodies in the cosmos, in the universe. And we have to wonder, like. Does that play a, f a factor in our genetics or in our in our birth or in our life somehow? I mean, you would think not, because you would think you know scientists would would have figured that out by now if they did. But we know that <laughs> our science currently can't really um, measure all of the you know the light spectrum. And all the different ways in which, you know, something like gamma ray bursts may, may affect us or, or not affect us. We posit that it doesn't affect us because, you know, or well, certain, <laughs> you know, the way things of light don't affect us because of our atmosphere protects us from a lot of things. That's why we're alive because otherwise we would be fried by all the radiation. Invisible light is the only kind of radiation that we can actually you know, safely uh, <laughs> kind of interact with. But we know for a fact that certain like, gamma ray bursts can and have, you know, just sp sphered right through the atmosphere. 
And in fact, that's why a lot of uh, computers had to be designed in a way that to uh, kind of um, have like different backups and 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 account for these instant mutations that can happen from gamma ray bursts and random <laughs> random atmospheric or, or or like I don't know they have to account for these things so for, we know that we have to do that with our computers right and they they we know that there is a chance maybe even a high chance that our computers can be you know mutated or rather corrupted because computers right now are not really capable of adapting but they can become corrupted by any number of things from the environment gamma ray bursts and a number of other things that we don't really understand yet and so we try to figure out ways to create backups and you know um, save the data so if something does get corrupted, we can correct it. But sometimes we don't even know what's corrupted. Because <laughs> we don't understand how much data we have or any number of things, right? It's very complicated with server farms and stuff like that. Well, where I'm going with this is that if we know this can happen to our computers, because we've, we've built them in such a way that they, they use, you know, quantum, quantum states. They use states of matter that are so fine and so detailed, like so... Like these bits are so small that any small like perturbation in the <laughs> in their makeup can can change the the overall data that's on there that's saved on there, right? Like we know this can happen. So you have to wonder, can that happen to us, to our genes, right? We it's the same it's the same level of really it's more complicated. Our genes have even finer detailed, you know, comp like bits, if you will. <laughs> Our genes are just so, there's just so much in there. <laughs> they did a recent sequencing of the genome and all this stuff. And uh, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. I don't understand that stuff that much, but suffice to say that it's very complicated and there's a lot of stuff going on there. And granted, there is a, there is a huge amount of redundancy in our genes because of this, right? Like our genes have been evolved over the last, you know, over the millions of years, billions of years to counteract these sorts of things. Like we, there's a lot of redundant redundancy in our genes so that if a mutation happens, it can either self-correct or it can adapt. But we have no idea how like robust that system is. We don't really know if a gamma ray burst, you know, affects your genes, how that really changes, like how that bubbles up to your personality or to your the macroscopic experience of, of what it means to be you we don't really know so I got on a, on a real tangent here but what I was trying to say here is that there could be a possibility maybe that these astrologies you know could play a factor in who we are 
even though it sounds unscientific. The question is, is it falsifiable? Is it unfalsifiable? Can we test it? And I think maybe we can. Granted, I'm not a scientist again, so I have no idea. I'm probably just talking to my ass. But I do wonder, like, maybe we can set up some tests so that, you know, we can see, have a culture, uh, uh, like a petri dish of, of human genomes and see, you know, <laughs> if you leave it in there for different times of day or different parts of the year, how might it, how might it be affected? But the problem, of course, is that humans are more than a petri dish, right? Like maybe it's it's affected differently from being a petri dish to being inside a womb, right? Maybe there's some concoction of chemicals or some, you know, interplay of of the mother, the mother's kind of field, kind of electric field. And I don't know. But my point here is that <laughs> maybe there's there's environmental factors that we simply don't understand that play into, you know, what determines how we do things. And and again it sounds it sounds crazy. It sounds inconsequential even. Like we, we know so much already about how our genes and how our our, our upraising you know plays a factor into this why we why do we need to know more about why why do we need to you know entertain <laughs> these astrologies and, and stuff like that i'm saying i don't know maybe maybe it's more important than we realize maybe not but maybe it is and how can we test that like how can we bring that in and that's not the only thing like it could be could be how our parents are thinking <laughs> you know their their state of mind because we know that there are brain waves you know but we don't really understand the interplay between brain waves between different people like when you're thinking that when you're thinking of something thinking about something is there a possibility that you're thinking of them can interact with them some way that we don't understand some type of you know Maybe not. Maybe I'm, again, completely talking on my ass. But if there is, like, how can we test that? How can we measure that? How can we begin to falsify that? How can we begin to, you know, see if that is an interplay? And all of that, even, <laughs> all of that is just like, it's just the surface level of this idea. Because when you really get into it, you can get into, you know, Don Hoffman's idea of, of consciousness. Consciousness being the fundamental um, thing of, of, of reality. And everything else being kind of an interface of consciousness. You can get into information, uh, integrated information theory. And get into materialism. See, you know, because these these are all fundamentally different ideas of how the universe works. You know, 
if any of those are correct, maybe that changes this whole kind of formula. I just find it's, there's just something there that's just niggling at me. Kind of frustrated that I don't have the uh, <laughs> mathematical and, uh, you know, scientific chops to really think about this on a principled level. But I hope that my kind of, I don't know, amateurish <laughs> approach at least can give, can make this more accessible so that other people listening to this can be like, oh, I understand a little bit about what you're, what you're talking about, you know, because I don't know the mass. I can't explain it like that. Maybe that's a good thing because I find that, unfortunately, a lot of the math and all this stuff, when you look at that, it's just completely off-putting. It's like so inaccessible. I understand anybody can can learn this stuff but you, you never well can can anybody learn this stuff like you know certain types of math is it gets really really crazy and unfortunately the way math is taught you know in america is, is terrible so most people hate math and so most of science is kind of explained through these higher level maths how can we ever create a society where you know more people understand and trust in science more people do science, you know. How can we develop? I guess this is, a, this is another tangent, but like, how can we develop better science, or at least more accessible science, so that more people can partake, more people can do run experiments, more people can question things, and you know, and kind of partake and, and add to the our, our knowledge of the world. How can we do that? And of course, some people might ask, what if science is not even um, the best way of knowing the world? What if science is too material? Right? If the world is immaterial, if the fundamental qualities of the universe is immaterial, does science even have the methodologies, the tools to understand the universe. This is why, you know, science is not was was not one of the first ways we <laughs> we came up with reasoning, you know, spirituality was. And we kind of had this we had kind of had this thought today in many societies, many aspects of societies that science is like an evolution of logic. That in some ways science is better than spirituality. In terms of explaining the world, in terms of measuring the world, because it's thanks to science that we've, you know, been able to come up with all these tools and methods of, of, you know, kind of manipulating the world and things like that. But this goes back to something I was saying a while ago when I was talking about hunter-gatherer cultures and the fact that many hunter-gatherer cultures and prehistoric societies they used these spiritual and ritualistic practices and they used um, psychedelics pretty regularly during these rituals but we don't really have much information on why on what they did with that what they observed what they discovered what they you know explored what they you know what, 
what was that experience? Because today we're studying these psychedelics and we're realizing that, whoa, you can discover a lot. Like, it's crazy. Whenever you hear people talk about psychedelics, you, you hear about these crazy experiences they have. And it seems like so much more than just illusions, right? Than just some made-up stuff. Like, it seems like it's something more fundamental. And so that also kind of makes you question, like, what if we went down the wrong path with science what if science is like yes it's useful yes it's able to be able to do so much stuff and learn so much about the world but what if it's limited what if it's only allowing us to know so much about the material world right what if the material world is all really is just an interface just a simulation just a and by 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 focusing so much on the science maybe we're we're like a person sort of online like (laughs) what if we're getting ourselves stuck in the simulation (laughs) right like what if performing the science and and thinking that science is the kind of like the crumb de la crumb of logic what if it's really just deluding ourselves into thinking that the simulation is the reality Because if all these cultures for hundreds of thousands of years use psychedelics to, you know, kind of experience life, experience the universe, what if they were able to experience more of the universe than we can with science? And the reason why I make that differential between, you know, spirituality and science is because science is about measuring things. It's about, you know, making hypotheses and figuring out, you know, testing things and making a, I don't know, maybe I'm not understanding science well enough. (laughs) Being able to take an idea, take a concept or something and test it, test it with others, you know, peer review it, see if it, if other people come up with the same thing. But when you see these psychedelics, you see that people have different experiences. They have fundamentally different experiences. And if you try to, you know, share your experience with somebody else, you can influence their experience, right? So the the whole experience is subjective. There is no objective experience. Like, what if reality itself is purely subjective? What if there is no objective reality? And so by doing science and thinking that we're creating, we're, we're discovering objective reality, what if we're actually, <laughs> you know, deluding others into believing this specific subjective reality is objective reality, you know, does that make sense? I don't know, I wonder all these things. This is why at the base of it, I, I just think the idea of consciousness being awareness is fundamentally and an extremely important idea because whether there is an objective reality or purely subjective reality having a better understanding of how our life plays out from 
awareness from self-referential awareness can help answer that question because if we can get a better understanding of all the all the factors right all the causes that create the, the lives that we're living right now that decide why I'm walking in this specific way and you know why I'm talking about this specific thing and how I'm talking about it and stuff like that if we can discover all those things then we can better predict we can better understand hey by me talking about these ideas it's going to influence other people by me you know being aware of the specific aspects of life is going to determine the life that I live and so if more people are aware of these aspects of life they too can live this sort of life I think this idea is kind of agnostic of whether of, of of reality of there being a subjective reality or an ob, or an objective reality because this idea states that it's the same right even if there is an objective reality it might be so big and so vast and so varied so crazy that no one being can ever observe all of reality it's like the math incompleteness theorem like the, the the idea that math in itself is incomplete like that you can't have a complete theorem of math because <laughs> the math itself is, is just a is a is a tool for language is a tool for understanding and communicating how we specifically see life and even though it seems objective because you know we see you know a circle is a circle no matter if you're you know this or if you're a human or a bird or whatever but we don't really know that right we can only say that from our specific consciousness from our specific viewpoint and until we discover some other existence some other sentience that's you know that seems that seems different than us we can never we can never actually know if it's sub of it if it's objective or or if it's subjective so you can have an objective reality that's so big that subjective that there is infinite amount of subjectivities within it and that people the, the things within it can can live subjective lives without ever experiencing the full objective reality but if reality is fundamentally subjective and if every single being can create you know a subjective experience it's still the same thing, right? It's still the same type of life. The only difference is that, which, which may not even be mutually exclusive to this idea, but the only difference is that if reality is purely subjective, you can delude yourself into thinking that your subjective experience is objective and that other people should believe your objective reality even though it's subjective. But again, that's not mutually exclusive. You can have that same thing if the overall reality is objective. <laughs> so it's kind of, it doesn't really, that's why I think the argument of what reality is, like is it consciousness or is it, you know, material, it doesn't really matter. I mean, yes, it matters in some ways, but I don't think we'll ever be able to really answer that question. I think what we can answer is, is, free, is do we have free will? 
and what is the the functions of free will what is what does free will act like what does free will look like you know what is the 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 things that play into free will i think that's a more interesting and more important question to to really get to because even if you never can fully answer the question you can get towards a more useful you know reality right because if you know more of the factors that play into whether or not you have free will you know more of those factors that means you you're, you're more able to go towards a future that you want to go towards you're more able to predict what you're going to do in a certain situation or predict what other people are going to do or you know create a specific type of life or see you know what plans are going to be successful what, what are not right this idea is fundamentally just more useful but if we if we only are looking at you know whether or not reality is subjective or if it's pure consciousness or if it's pure materialism we we won't actually be able to know the only thing we can do is is continue to delude ourselves into thinking that our subjective reality is objective or that our objective or that objective reality is or is not subjective like we it's it's just a continual like <laughs> it's just a practice in self delusion like it's it's going to be constant <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm making sense there, but like, I think that's why this idea is so important. It's just fundamentally more useful, right? Even though you might, it's the same thing. Like again, you can't fully know. You, there can be infinite amount of things that play into your free will, that play into why you make the decisions that you make. But by knowing more, by knowing more of why you make the decisions that you make or why you think you're making those decisions you can by default have a better life you can by default create the type of life that you want to create <sighs> I think I'm going to end it there for real though getting hungry it's getting hot <laughs> the sun is coming up to be around noontime and um i think i've explored this idea pretty well at least to my extent right now <laughs> maybe i might have some other ideas about it tomorrow and it's uh i don't know something about this is just really really engaging let me know what you think Am I just talking to my ass or is it, or you think I'm on to something? <laughs> I'd love to know as always. You can hit me up at Elijah Cloud, E-L-I-J-A-H-C-L-A-U-D-E. Pretty much any platform, especially Gmail, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter. And uh, let's work on this idea. I think I'm going to continue to work on this. I think I'm going to kind of move my business like the, my business idea, my research into this area. Even though I'm not a scientist, I'm not a mathematician, I'm not anything like that, but I can try to do what I do, what I can do, you know, to learn more about this, to figure this out. Because I do think it's one of the most important things we can be doing, I can be doing <laughs> right now. So we'll see where it goes. As always, thanks for listening. Have a great day. See you. Bye-bye. Thank mm-hmm. you.